0: Hi, this is Kev Legs Walker, and you are about to hear a podcast of an interview that appeared on Shades of Blues here on The Cat, and there will be plenty more as we delve into the archives. Sit back and enjoy. Right, I'm delighted to say I'm now joined in the studio for a change by Graham Bellinger. Is it Bellinger Bellinger. or Bellinger? Bellinger. Bellinger. Yeah. And, uh, came across, you... Pretty much by accident, I was in the King's Lock, at Middlewich, and you were performing there. I thought, got to get that guy on the show. <laughs> you were doing some bluesy stuff, but you do all the stuff as well, don't you?
1: Yeah, I do. I do a lot of um, quite a lot of my own songs, and um, quite a lot of sort of countryish type music, and do some sort of traditional English folk as well, and you know, but because um, I like all kinds of music, really.
0: What was it that got you into music?
1: Well, um, I'm that I'm that uh, Beatles generation, you know. I, I I was a teenager in the sixties, and um, it's when all kinds of music um, kind of exploded, didn't they, all over the place? You know, I mean, I was into the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and things, and y- and you follow leads, you know, so you yeah you followed leads to older rock and roll through the Beatles, really, and um, to to blues through the Rolling Stones, in particular, I guess. Yeah, yeah. and then when I went to college, there was, I had a friend who was who was very into sort of pre-war country blues yeah. um, and it was like something from another world you know it was yeah. fascinating and, and strange and I just uh, I thought I've got to find out how to do some of this you know um, so
0: you weren't performing at that point
1: I played the guitar a bit but I mean I played in you know like a, a sort of very bad school band you know right.
0: <laughs> um, are we talking skiffle
1: uh, well, a bit later than that, I suppose. But, you know, trying to do um, uh, uh, sort of Rolling Stone songs and stuff like that, really. Yeah. Um, but it was when I went to college that I really got, got fascinated by acoustic guitar and and, um, and that older kind of music, really.
0: Because, of course, around that time you had the likes of Bob Dylan with the, the folk yeah. boom yes, and all well, that kind that's of like, stuff.
1: Well, that was that old strain as well, because, uh, yeah, I was um, I loved the songs, you know. And the thing about Bob Dylan songs was that, 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 that and it still is true of Bob Dylan songs, is that, you can you can go at them in all kinds of different ways, you know. Yeah. Um, well, he does. Absolutely. That's right. yes, <laughs> yes, 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 that's true. Uh, but I think that's the mark of a great song, you know, a song that really, really works is that people can interpret it in different ways.
0: Yeah. You're not one of these that was outraged when he went electric, are you? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um,
1: no, no, I mean, I think I was only, what was I, 15 when he went electric, you know, so. Yeah. so um, it, to me it was all just it was all just pop music then I, uh, that was it you know uh, so it didn't bother me at all really no I th- but I, 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 when I heard Like a Rolling Stone I just thought this is the best record I have ever heard in my life I thought it's was fantastic
0: it? and It's a question I quite often ask, but was there a particular performance or artist that made you think I want to do that
1: um, Well there were a couple really I think probably yes um, and as I say I, th- this um, friend of mine at college um turned up with a, a an lp by scrapper blackwell you know he right. used to play with Tampa red in the 30s and the guitar playing just just um fascinated me on that so and, and i thought i need to find out how how to do some of this kind of stuff it was because it was quite different to the sort of electric guitar play and all mm. the strumming you know the sort of bob dylan folky strumming kind of style. Um, and intricate and, and fascinating and just different, you know. And I suppose the fact that it was different and a bit, um, you know, like most people didn't know about it, made it quite attractive to yeah. a 17, 18 year old, you know. Um, so that was what, But the other thing, to tell the truth, was Ralph Mattel. I was, I, when I was the first term at college, I went to see Ralph Mattel in a, playing in a folk club. I didn't know anything about him. And the songs and the guitar playing just blew me away. I'd never yeah. heard anything like that. I thought it was fantastic. And, yeah. And I, <laughs> I remember coming... I was, I'd started to play the guitar a bit then, and I came out with this, this friend of mine, Simon Brown, this this blues man, and he said, I'm going to cut off my thumbnail and buy a thumb pick. I've got to learn to play on <laughs> it. <laughs> and I thought, yes, that's, ah, that's... And it was that whole, you know, that... That, that, that kind of that kind of thing just that you just how's he doing that you know yeah was more to it than that um and i just i just that was it really then i was gone you know i just wanted to play the guitar and sing songs and write songs and
0: the intricacy that you Hmm? mentioned the intricate the the picking thing sometimes you hear a song and you just don't realize how much Hmm. goes into making that well
1: absolutely that's right and i mean that's especially true of um a lot of the sort of uh, pre-war blues bluesmen, people like Mississippi John Hurt. You know, you, mm. you, you, it sounds really simple until you actually try and do it. Yeah, uh, um, and it's it's not hard to play the song uh, because they're straightforward. But when you actually listen to what he's doing and you think, oh, that's clever, then you try and do it. It's it's remarkable the tempos and and the, it's so intricate, you know, yeah, and, and fascinating and and charming and lovely as well.
0: You know. And one thing I've said about that era of music or that genre. Is quite often it just puts a smile on your face.
1: Absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got the sort of Delta Blues, the really sort of heavy. You know, the sort of Sun House. And I saw Sun House when I was at college performing live. Wow. Can you believe that? I'm so lucky. He played it played in a back room of a pub in Cambridge.
0: I said on many <laughs> occasions the first blues album I bought was Sun House. Yeah, and yeah. it was just otherworldly. Absolutely,
1: you know. and I mean. He was actually probably younger than I am now, I think, but he seemed as old as Methuselah. Even. Yeah. <laughs> and he, because he was from another, completely other time, another place. You know? Yeah. And he, and he, I don't know if he was drunk, but he was certainly pretty, uh, pretty slurry and, and so on. But, um, but his singing was still powerful and, and he talked and talked, which were quite hard to understand him talking. He, um, but he talked and reminisced about Charlie Patton and people. You know? uh-huh. And this is like, you, it was like you were listening to somebody from the Roman Empire or something You know, yeah. it's totally different history um, and that kind of big deep heavy stuff, I mean he was quite frightening I thought, I was, I, wow you know, who is yeah. this, and on the other hand you've got the Mississippi John Hurts and the sort of ragtime blues stuff which is like you say brings a smile to your face and is yeah. delightful and, and uh, in a way they're quite different and truth to tell I'm, I'm more inclined to play the sort of happy blues stuff, partly because he's happy Partly because I think that other the, the sort of Sun House and Skip James end of things, I don't know if I've got a right to play that kind of thing. Really, it's it's right. somebody else's experience altogether. You
0: know, whereas right. the so you feel you you have to have lived it to play.
1: Well, it. yeah, a bit. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I do I do uh, play play a few of those things, but I kind of feel like it's 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 too easy for it to be a bit phony, really. Whereas the the East Coast blues, you know, the sort of good time blues, the Blind Blake and and Blind Boy Fuller and Mississippi John Hurt and people. I, I don't mean this as a criticism, but it's kind of pop music, and I'm, and, you know, I'm, I'm at home with doing that. Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, uh, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's it's wonderful, you know, but it's more a popular entertainment sort of music.
0: Well, I mean, some of the names you're coming out with there, people who might like blues music but wouldn't recognise those names because they're from yeah. Years ago, yeah. so do you regard yourself as a bit of a historian?
1: <laughs> so I, I, I'm interested. In, I, I like the, the history and the stories, and I mean, I'm not a I'm not a serious kind of blues collector, but I do like the stories, but, and I like that feeling. That I think what I like most of all is that it is something from a from a different time and a different place, and those people's lives were just so different to our lives, but the influence that they've had on You know our music Mm. that's come since is enormous, and isn't that amazing? Some some bloke who in some like John Hurt, you know, virtually never got out of his home town until the late middle nineteen sixties, and yet what he was doing, you know, we us lads in in Shrewsbury where I grew up was sitting, trying to work out, listen to his records and listen to what he was doing. Yeah. I mean, that's a remarkable uh, thing to achieve. Because you mentioned
0: there about seeing Southern House in the 60s, and that was the era where a lot of the blues artists weren't recognised in America, no, no, but they right. came over here right, yeah. and found fame.
1: That's right. Well, I, I mean, I I was I was lucky. I caught the tail end of some of that. I, I saw a show at the Regal Cinema in Cambridge, with Muddy Waters' blues band, BB B. King and his band, and Fleetwood Mac and Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee, all on the same book. <laughs> oh. And BB B. King said, "I am so grateful to the Peter Green and these guys with Fleetwood Mac mm. because they're the reason why why I'm able to play here." Yeah, you know, yeah. and and they acknowledge that, you know, and and that's right. Uh, they it was it was that blues revival thing that opened my ears and a lot of other people's ears too, yeah. to 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 the real thing, you know.
0: The animals played at the Nantwich Civic Hall a good few years ago, and had the chance to interview. And said, "When you went to America, did you feel it was a bit like selling ice to the Eskimos?" Mm. And it was that kind of yeah, thing that yeah, a lot of the radio stations over there wouldn't play them. No? no,
1: no, that's right, that's right. And it's also you know why Bob Dylan called his, that LP "Bringing It All Back Home" because yeah. he'd he picked up on that British Beat Boom thing. And was playing that style of music back to Americans as, as far as he was concerned, you know, it was taking it home again, you know. Um Yeah, that's right. Uh, it it's it was and I I don't know really why those blokes who were a bit older than me, in sort of, particularly in sort of South London, were listening to that kind of music and, and, and learned that you know the Mick Jaggers and Keith Richards and people, why and Eric Clapton and so on, why they picked up on it. But if they hadn't, I guess I'd probably have never heard it, you know.
0: Well there's the famous story of uh, the Beatles in particular getting the songs and the records from the Merchant Seaman when yes, they came that's into right. the Yes, that's
1: port. right yeah
0: that's right yeah 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 um, I chatted to Tom McGuinness a few years ago from the blues band Man Food Man or whatever and he was saying he would go across town to find somebody yes. that got a record, because yes. yeah. Yeah. they were, you know, didn't have downloads and mm. streaming in those days. Yeah. So you hear that somebody had got a Sun House record, yeah. you would travel yeah. across town yeah. to hear it.
1: Yeah, that's that's right. Well, if you think about, uh, as I say, I, gr- I grew up in Shrewsbury, Um and uh, which is there middle of nowhere. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Look, there wasn't there wasn't anybody bringing American records on a boat into Shrewsbury, I can assure you, um, but I I found that. Uh, once before I went to college. Really, I I, I was in W. H. Smith's in Shrewsbury, and they had a, an LP sale, and I bought for I don't know ten bob or something an LP by these trio called Koerner, Ray and Glover, who were American beatniks, kind of early sixties picking up on that music. And there was there was there were songs, there was Blind William McTell songs on there, and and um, things like that. You know, these these guys doing them not authentically really but but in an interesting way and i think that was probably the first thing i heard and i thought this is this is dead interesting you know yeah and there's um uh, one of them does um, uh, Statesboro Blues on it but you know the sort of proper version of Statesboro Blues right. the William Tell version and again it was kind of fascinating and strange but it wasn't until somebody explained it to me because I just bought this out of a record bin because these three blokes on the cover looked quite interesting Yeah, um, and I didn't really know anything about it the sleeves notes didn't tell me very much and it wasn't a, a say until I, until I met people when I went away to college that they, uh, they, they explained where this was coming from really yeah. but that was the nearest I could find to a blues record injury really
0: <laughs> but also I mean we were saying about the blues artists coming over around about that time you had the folk revival were you involved with that
1: um, a little bit I went to a, went to the folk club in in town there um, which was a oh, kind of classic old old world um, 60s folk club you know mm-hmm. um, and again I saw things which at the time I didn't't didn't make a lot of sense to me I, I there's a there was a famous in folk Music circles singer called Fred Jordan, who lived uh, in in South Shropshire, who who was a genuine farm worker, learnt songs from his mother, you know, and so on, uh, and used just to stand up and sing, Mm. and became a big name really on 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 sort of folk folk festivals and you know the traditional scene, Um, but he just pop up. And and I just think it was funny old man singing singing songs, but it was kind of interesting because it yeah. wasn't you know. Uh, and other than that, it was chaps playing the guitar, doing spinners songs, you know, so, which was pretty uncool. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it was kind of it was all right, but uh, it was that it, it wasn't Bob Dylan, you know. Um, and that, what I said about Ralph McTell, I mean, it's kind of not very cool to say Ralph McTell was the person I feel like I learned a lot from, mm. um, but actually. I mean, he knows his stuff. Oh <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, he really yeah. knows his stuff. You know, and it was just a revelation. You know, at the time. Uh, so, in a sense, I was, and I and I, I got more and more. And, and I mean, subsequently, I I still sing in a, a sort of trad folk group based in Stafford because I used to live in Stafford. You know. um, so, I, so I got more and more involved in that too. Yeah, um, and it, it, it's another. Struggle. I suppose the thing is, I, I sometimes say, well, the kind of music I like is like the music of ordinary people. You know. Yeah. Uh, uh, generally not mainstream, but but you know, um, so so English traditional song, blues music, um, American country music, and so on. I mean, it, all, it just all fascinates me,
0: you know. Yeah, because um, it's real. We've spoken in recent interviews about the demise of music venues. Few and fewer places mm. for people to mm. play at. Do you ever foresee a time where that might turn around and places open? Because there seems to be a resurgence in real ale, so yeah. some pubs are <laughs> hanging on there. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, this it's is a bit contentious. Um, it's easy for me to say this because, you know, I've had a day job, I've, I've had a decent decent day job and earned decent money and so on. So music's always been something I do, although I do it seriously, I do it because I like doing it. Yeah. Um so my attitude is if you've got a good venue I'm almost happy to play it for nothing, don't tell anybody I said that <laughs> um but certainly uh you know, I'm perfectly happy to play a nice pub gig. Uh if people are some people are, are enjoying it and, and it's reasonably accommodating, you know. And I think if people take that approach and and, and say you know we'll create a nice atmosphere we'll do we'll we'll create a nice evening for whatever the venue is pub mm. cafe club whatever um and i think the other thing is because because of that folk folky background folk clubby background i'm always inclined to think you know that this is about engaging people and making them part of it not putting on a show yeah, you know, and there's nothing wrong with putting on a show, but but for most of us, you know, we we aren't um, we aren't going to play the MEN Arena or something. We are <laughs> going to be doing pubs and so on. So be realistic about it. Treat it as as a uh, something that for people to enjoy. You know, um, so in that, I think if more people did that, probably more more venues would be happy to put on music. Yeah, you know? Um I,
0: mean, a, I take my hat off to performers like yourself who you sit in the corner and you play playing the way, and there could be. Oh, a couple of dozen people in there, mm. but quite often they're having conversations. And mm. I think poor fella, he's playing there. <laughs> shut up and listen.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes that can be a struggle. It was quite often that can be a struggle, I guess. I'm inclined. To, I play every week in in Alexander's in Chester. Um, I run an open mic night there, and we we I play there. Um, a gig there sort of once a month at least as well, you know. Mm. And it's a bar, so all kinds of people come in people come in not expecting there to be music sometimes If you're engaging enough people, generally speaking, I find that people will be at least reasonably respectful. You know, they they might carry on talking, but they, they don't try and shout you down. I and, um, and as long as there are some people there that you can engage with, and you can you can feel like they're enjoying this and they're listening, you know, yeah, then then you work on that, and that makes it worthwhile. And you can have a bad bad night occasionally, but in the main, that'll work. You know, that yeah. that night you you were in the King's Lock. I mean, there were very few people in there. But the folks that were, I mean, there were a bunch of guys that kind of said to me, can you do such and such a song? And I said, yes, I can. And they joined in singing it with me, and, and we had a chat, and and it was great. And there were some other people. Somebody said, um, uh, I'll bet you've never heard of Yorma Kaukinen. And I said, yes, I have. He's a guitar <laughs> player in Jefferson Airplane. And I, think, uh, I, I, I said, I'll play a song that he does, Wine in Boy Blues. I'll do that. Yeah. And And... You know, I mean, okay, it's lucky. I, you know, I could, but but you feel like this is worthwhile. There, there, there may only be a dozen folks here, but but it's all right. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And 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 I'm happy with that. You know. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's, it's the other end of the scale. You do, you're playing a big event. You know, um, and that's great too.
0: On the gigging and touring front, have you got many lined up for this year?
1: Um, well, I have I, I have sort of regular gigs because because uh, you know I, I I like to make my life fairly easy. We we as I say I do two things. Alexander's um, in in Chester uh, every month. We, we we run the open mic night, night there, so we get a chance to play, or I get a chance to play. And then we do a Sunday afternoon once a month there as well, which is a great afternoon, really nice, with my band. I play in a band there called the Deportees. And we also run a night once a month uh, at Telford's Warehouse, which is the other sort of music venue bar in, in Chester. Um, and that's that's pleasant as well. So those two things are every all the time. And then I'm playing at Chester Folk Festival at the end of May, the Wirral Folk Festival in June. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other things come along. I'm playing at the King's Lock again in May, I think, uh, and a few other bars, at Corner House in Chester, I play regularly as well. Mm. And then I play with this, as I say, this this tradie band based in Stafford. So we play, we do a lot of village hall gigs, you know. Yeah. Um. somebody in the village will take take on the hall and organise a concert. So it keeps me busy, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: And just before we started the interview, you kindly handed me a few CDs. Yeah. Have you got another one lined up? Uh, not at the moment,
1: no. Um, I uh, the last last CD I'd, I recorded was um, a couple of years ago now. I uh, didn't give you that one. <laughs> 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 I've got le- I've only got one left. <laughs> Need to get some more made. Um, so, so it's a couple of years. Uh, Taste these days. Yeah, I was, as I'm sure you know. Um, a lot of people don't buy CDs; they, no, they get music no. in other other forms. So um, it's a bit of an investment, you know. To to, to you have to think long term. So uh, I am kind of. Thi- I like to make some kind of a project out of it. So I am trying to think what the next project might be. I've done a couple of what well, I gave you. There is a couple which are basically blues and ragtime stuff which I recorded a few years ago because I do occasionally I do sort of workshops about blues guitar and so on, and people would say, you know, well I kind of watch what you were doing and jotted some things down but I can't remember how it went afterwards Mm. Um, so I thought I'll record some stuff and that turned into a a couple of CDs of those kind of songs Um, uh, and then the other one is some songs of my own I don't write a lot of songs I write some songs um, and that's just the most recent one of my own stuff that I recorded Um, so uh, I'll probably do another one of my own songs before in a year or so I suspect
0: Final question uh, you play jazz, you play blues, you play folk, bit of country. Which do you feel most comfortable doing?
1: That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I th- it's what I play is a kind of mix mixture mix up of all of them, and and uh, I, I, I don't know. If, I don't think I can say which one I'm most comfortable doing. I think probably I enjoy. I enjoy singing, you see. I mean, I play the guitar, and I talk about the guitar playing a lot, but I enjoy the singing. So I suppose, in a way, what I enjoy most is a really good song, and that's often a sort of a country song. Right. um, uh, Because they're great songs, Mm. you know. But... It's hard to say, really. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And I hope you enjoyed that little interview there. And there will be more as we record more for the show. And we are going to delve into the archives and pull some of the old ones out as well. So, plenty more to come. And, of course, if you want to hear the whole show, there is always listen again. I'll see you next time. Take care.